Today is Vision Sunday, and basically what I'm going to do the next little while is I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what our heart is as it regards spreading God's love in ever-widening circles, some of the ways that we're trying to do that, and uh, a key way that you can be involved in that uh, in this coming month and over these coming months. So um, on this Vision Sunday, I have two things that Jesus said in the forefront of my mind. You know, perhaps for those of you who have no idea who I even am, I should introduce myself. My name's Terry Smith. I'm the lead pastor here at the Life Christian Church. If we haven't met, I hope to have the opportunity to meet you before the day's over. Um, and so having explained who I am and what I'm doing up here, there are two uh, things that Jesus said that I have in the forefront of my mind on this Vision Sunday. The first is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. It's a somewhat lengthy reading, but, but, but worth it. Here's what Jesus said. He said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Today, my hope is that I'm talking to sheep. He will put the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This well-known saying of Jesus was offered by him at uh, the Mount of Olives, which looks over the city of Jerusalem, two days before the Passover on which he was crucified. The other saying of Jesus that I'm focused on today is the last thing he said just before he ascended to heaven and just after his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. Matthew 25, two days before the crucifixion. Matthew 28, another very famous saying of Jesus after the crucifixion, burial, resurrection, and just before the ascension, Jesus came to them, his disciples, his followers, and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
It occurs to me that in the first passage that I've read, that Jesus is talking to his followers, or his sheep as he calls them, about how to care for broken people in this broken world. He talks about how to care for the hungry, and how to care for the thirsty, the stranger, the prisoner. He's talking about how to care for broken people in a broken world. In the, in the second passage I've read, he's talking about the cure for brokenness. In the first, he's talking about the symptoms. What happens because people are broken? In the second, he's talking about getting at the root cause, and he's talking about the gospel, and he's talking about preaching the gospel, and baptizing believers, and asking those who have believed now to follow him and to do his works in the world. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, broken people now can come into relationship with God the Father and begin to be healed from their brokenness and become a part of the cure for this broken world. I think actually it's important to think about the cause, the root cause of humanity's issues, which is fundamentally sin and the choice that humanity made in the very beginning, and how that the gospel gives us a cure for sin and ultimately will solve the problem of sin. But I also think it's important to talk about how that those who've believed in the gospel, who've become his sheep, if you please, do the works of Jesus and treat the symptoms of of what's wrong in this world as well. That we care about both. That we care about the cure and that we care about what's happening because people are broken, living in a broken world. The mission statement of the Life Christian Church is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread his love in ever-widening circles. And there's a lot of meaning for us in that mission statement. You know, a mission statement, at least my understanding of a mission statement, is what you get up and do every day. It's what you're thinking about every day. A vision is more where you see all of that taking you somewhere down the road. But your, your fundamental mission is what you get up to do every day. And here at the Life Christian Church, we get up every day to inspire people to grow in the life God dreams for them as we spread his love in ever-widening circles. When we talk about inspiring people to life God dreams for them. We're basing that, we're locating that in the words of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, where he promised people life in all of its fullness, or as the message has it, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. When Jesus, and every week in our benediction, we pray a prayer based on John 10, 10, and uh, the translations I just offered over our over our congregation. Well, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is doing a very well-known message where he's describing himself as the good shepherd. And he's talking about him being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And in that conversation, he says a good shepherd offers the sheep more than they ever even knew they needed. And that's part of what's in our mind when we talk about to inspire people to the life God dreams for them. It's an invitation to become a sheep, if you please, to follow the good shepherd, to allow him to give you more than you ever knew you needed. We try to do that at the Life Christian Church. We try to 
to inspire people to the life God dreams for them. But once we become sheep, if you please, in today's analogy or metaphor or whatever it is, once you become a sheep, then you join with Jesus in doing his works in the world. You become a part of who he is and what he's doing, or you spread God's love in ever-winding circle. Remember, in Matthew 25, when Jesus talked about how at the end of time he separates the sheep and the goats. How do we know the sheep is a sheep? The sheep is a sheep because the sheep is feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and giving water to the thirsty and welcoming the stranger and, and caring for the sick and visiting the prisoner. That's what sheep do. For us, it's more than just about becoming a follower of Jesus. It's joining Jesus in his work, which is why we say we're not only inspiring people to the life God dreams for them, we're doing that in the context of spreading, all of us together now, spreading God's love in ever-widening circles. So, Spreading God's love is part of what we do when we're a sheep. And when we talk about spreading God's love here at the Life Christian Church, we're talking about several ways that we strategically attempt to do the works of Jesus here, here, and from here. And uh, several of the things that I'll just mention um, um, quickly, a brief overview. And when we talk about spreading God's love in ever-widening circles, one of the things that, that we, we're doing strategically around that is everything to do with our Plus Life missions program, which involves, uh, on the Plus Life global side, if my count is correct, 12 very significant partners who we've gone very deep with to spread God's love in various places in the world. Uh, when we talk about Plus Life missions, we're talking about Plus Life local, where we have, it, at, at the, my last count of it's correct, about 25 very significant partners in this area who we go deep with to care for people in need, to do the works of Jesus, to make sure we're on the sheep side of the equation when it comes to whether or not Jesus invites us to inherit his kingdom. When we're talking about spreading God's love in every winding circle, we're, we're also talking about church multiplication. Uh, we're talking about the fact that we uh, hope to find communities who need a church like ours and replicate what we're doing here, there. When we talk about spreading God's love in ever-widening circles, we're talking about uh, serving other churches and leaders, which we have a, 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 a handful of ways that we're trying to do that. One example of that would be something that's uh, coming up. We've deepened in recent years um, our uh, partnership with movementday.org, formerly the New York City Leadership Center, now Movement Day. I was blessed to be one of the co-founders of the New York City Leadership and Movement Day, and we've gotten very involved with them lately because of their work in, in serving and developing leaders around the world, including um, the fact that we've sponsored Movement Day Balkan cities where pastors and leaders came from 17 nations in the Balkans where less than 2% of the population in those nations are, are Christ followers. And this year coming up, I say this because this is news uh, and something that won't be mentioned in some of the other things we're going to talk about here today. Um, 
This year, we're engaged in Movement Day Middle East, where in February in Dubai, there will be what's being called one of the most significant Christian gatherings in the last 2,000 years, where some 1,500 leaders will gather from 75 nations, most representing the Middle East, to talk about how the gospel is being spread in the Middle East. And part of that is a, is something that we're engaged in called uh, the Movement Day Scholars Program, where the goal of Movement Day and they're well on their way towards this is to train a thousand leaders to impact 2,000 cities and they're doing this in partnership with five major seminaries including Gordon-Conwell, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, Dallas Theological Seminary and so on and I have the ability to be to represent you and to be one of the faculty of Movement Day uh, Scholars Program and our our the book I considered our book The Hospitable Leader is part of the curriculum that's training these leaders from all over the world. And I'm going to have the opportunity to be in Dubai in February, Lord willing, and if the COVID creek doesn't rise uh, any further, to be in Dubai and to represent the Life Christian Church and to speak to leaders from all over the world. That's an example of how we're trying to serve churches and leaders in very significant ways, and there are a number of others. And then we're always launching new initiatives. Last year, we launched our online campus. We, we, this time, this week, last year, we cast vision for the online campus. And we said, by God's grace, if you guys will get involved and get behind this, and if you give towards it, we're going to launch an online campus that's going to be something different than just streaming an online service. We soft launched that uh, earlier this year. It's going extremely well. Thank you, Amanda and Christian, for doing such a great job. But I heard last week that we have now 70 people who've committed to be be the core of our online campus and to be a part of life teams and life groups and to build TLC houses, which are now starting to pop up at different places in the world. And we're well on our way to our launch launch come by God's grace, the end of January, where we'll kind of, we'll not just be reaching internally, but really reaching out beyond us in our online campus. Another initiative we launched last year, which is an example of how we're trying to spread God's love in ever-widening circles strategically, is our all-in for the arts multifaceted program, which includes the TLC School for the Arts. Again, last year, I stood here and cast vision for that. You guys got behind it. You supported it. You gave towards it. We launched our School for the Arts this fall. I believe, if I remember correctly, 27 students, something like five classes uh, as a soft launch. Again, we'd not advertise this to anybody except our own congregation. We'll go live next year. It's going extremely well. We're very grateful. And the plan is to have a a, a um, fully orbed uh, program around and vision around arts where ultimately where we're using the arts to preach the gospel and to spread the gospel of the kingdom. One of the examples of that is our TLCC Christmas show, which for us guys really is, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you this, it's not really about entertaining you, I, although we hope to entertain you. It's about creating something that you want to bring your friends to so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus presented in a unique way. And we have a gifted group of actors and performers who put on a great show and we have a great Christmas village. And our goal is by God's grace to have 10,000 people who participate in our Christmas show, uh, by, uh, 
uh, the end of the year 2025. We're on our way. COVID hasn't helped us, but still, by God's grace, we're on our way. These are the kind of things that move us towards Vision 2025. Vision 2025, as we say, is TLCC times five equals 10K by 2025, which is to say that by God's grace, by the end of 2025, we hope to have five TLCC campuses up, running, functioning, inspiring people to the life God dreams for them, spreading God's love in ever-widening circles. We have two. The goal is to launch another one this coming fall, uh, to relaunch our Paramus campus, but to do it in a way that's re-envisioned, and also to have five times the Eastern Christmas audience we had in 2018, which is when we launched Vision 2025. So our motivation is simple. We want to reach more people with the gospel, and we want to serve more people in more places. We don't want to invite people to be his sheep, and we want to invite the sheep to do what sheep do, which is to feed the stranger, to welcome the stranger, to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, and so on. And so uh, over the next few minutes before I come back and finish my talk, you're going to see a video that's going to highlight just a couple of the things that we're doing and um, that may explain some of this in a way more interesting than just me standing up here and talking about it. Part of what we're doing today is we are trying to present our vision in a way which will cause you to pray about making a significant contribution to our Christmas offering this year, which is how we fund all the kinds of things that I've just talked about. Our regular tithes and offerings fund our operations budget, which has to do with everything we do here, which is a lot. It takes millions of dollars every year for us to do what we do here. And then we ha we take one offering outside of our regular tithes and offerings every week. And this is our Christmas offering where we are going to attempt this year to raise $500,000 to fund Plus Life, well the, well, the things that you've heard me just describe. I hope that you'll enjoy this video. It'll be about 10 minutes and then I'll come back and I'll have a few more things to say. Thank you. Our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Because of your faithfulness and generosity to the mission of TLCC, we've had the privilege of serving thousands of people around the world over the last 30 years. More recently, the Christmas offering has been the engine that propels us forward in fulfilling our mission, and this year, we have another opportunity to partner with God and what He is doing through TLCC. With this year's Christmas offering, our intention is to raise $500,000 to fully fund all of our Plus Life Mission initiatives from July 2022 to July 2023 and reinvest in our church multiplication efforts through this one major offering. Plus Life Missions is one of the biggest ways TLCC spreads God's love in ever-widening circles. Locally, we are able to serve and impact thousands of lives by partnering with different organizations that provide addiction recovery, domestic abuse recovery, and mentoring services. Partnering with organizations such as Convoy of Hope and Feed the Children allowed TLCC to be a food distribution hub throughout the pandemic. We distributed over $750,000 worth of food and supplies to neighborhoods and food banks across New Jersey. 
A classic example of how we've been able to spread God's love locally over the years is through our annual Thanksgiving basket drive. This ministry started over 30 years ago by providing seven TLCC families in need with baskets full of necessary items for a traditional Thanksgiving meal. Today, TLCC delivers over 250 Thanksgiving meals every year to individuals in need, such as low-income families and patients at St. Michael's Hospital in Newark, including those working through an HIV-AIDS diagnosis. Selena Brown has been leading the entire Thanksgiving Basket Drive initiative from its inception, and she has seen countless lives impacted by this TLCC initiative. One year in particular, one of our leaders had come to us the day that we were given the baskets of food out. And she said, I, you know, I know this is the last minute, but I just learned of a family of a young mom and her, her children and her dad, they don't have the money for the Thanksgiving basket of food. But, you know, if there's anything you could do, we would appreciate it. And when we pray and ask God to provide, He always more than supplied what we need. And everything that everyone else was given in a basket, we were able to put together for this family, including a turkey. And when the life group leader she knocked on that door. The family had just sat around the kitchen table. The mom was, she was explaining to her children that, you know, they're not going to have a traditional Thanksgiving that perhaps their friends would have. But, you know, they were together and that's what mattered, the love that they had as a family. And when our, our leader knocked on the door and said, Happy Thanksgiving, this is from our church to your family. This, this mom, she just broke down in tears and she was so overjoyed. And it was such a, a testimony of God's love. And these children were so excited and so surprised that just as they thought they, they wouldn't be having this special meal, how God just brought it to them. It was the one story that always stands out in my mind the most. Plus Life Local is an opportunity for us to be involved with one another and then collectively go out and serve and reach areas that ordinarily would not receive attention. But it's not a ministry that can be done with one person. This is a community-driven ministry. Those of us who give, those of us who serve, those of us who pray, thank you for every way that you have possibly served Plus Life Local and for each individual group that is serving in, in our Plus Life because you matter. You matter. It matters how we do it, but it's important that we do it together. Thank you so much and God bless you. TLCC has been blessed with the opportunity to spread God's love beyond the New York metropolitan area. The impact of Plus Life Global has steadily grown in recent years as we have continued to partner with global organizations that share our vision in the most sustainable way possible. Our partnerships with Kashmir Evangelical Fellowship and Remade allow us to sponsor boots-on-the-ground missionaries in India to plant churches, organize feeding ministries, and to spread the gospel in some of the most unreached places in the world. Through our partnership with Convoy of Hope, we've had the opportunity to build homes in Puerto Rico during the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, and our partnership with Adopt One Village has allowed us to change the landscape of an entire village in Ghana, Africa. Emmanuel Animsaki, born and raised in Ghana and a longtime member of TLCC, felt called to start Adopt One Village after arriving in America. 
Knowing the need of the people back home, Emmanuel started collecting things like shoes, clothes, bicycles, and school supplies to send back to his home village in Ghana. Soon after, TLCC had the amazing opportunity to partner with Emmanuel and Adopt One Village to see long-lasting changes in several areas of Ghana. I had just started coming to TLCC, and I had a conversation with Pastor Terry, and I remember he asked me, um, how can we help? And I'm like, these people are crazy. How can you help? And after that, I mean, it took a whole different turn. Before the church got involved, people have to walk to a dirty stream. I mean, they are all here. They were testified to this. And then they have to scoop water from it. But we were able to get them a borehole and now they can get good drinking water. Um, Health-wise, think about these people who are sick or they have like a snake bite, insect bite, scorpion bite or poisonous. And before they get to the hospital, it may be too late. Personally, my little brother died when I was little because we digested some poison and we couldn't get to the hospital in time because it was far away. Um, thank God I survived it. But we've been able to build the only concrete building in that 25-mile radius, the only care center over there. And uh, from what I got from them yesterday, three medical personnel are working there full-time. And it's not all completed, but it's saving lives. All these families are really struggling to make ends meet. And it is very difficult for a child to be put into school. Not even every parent can afford the uniform that the child should wear to school. So we started sponsoring these kids to go through high school, which wasn't free, buying all their needs for them. I'm happy to tell you even this week, two of those students are going to be graduating from the university. We are building a leadership center and one of the guys who helped us designing it, an architect, was one of the kids we sponsored from the village. It's like sowing a seed and uh, we are all benefiting from it in one way or the other. And uh, over the years, with the church, through the church, we've been able to achieve so much that looking back, all I can say is this is actually the hand of God. We started with just helping one village and with the concept that TLCC has with spreading God's word in ever widening circle, we started enlarging our circle and our tent so that we can still maintain what we started doing 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Right now, as I'm speaking, all the board members of Adapt One Village are members of TLCC. So <laughs> that tells you how the TLCC has impacted, you know, Adapt One Village to this point. Keep praying and let's hope that we have the resources to do it. So. This church is actually building a community. It's partners like Adopt One Village whom we trust to sustainably accomplish God's mission to care for those in need around the world. And we're excited to announce another opportunity on the horizon through Convoy of Hope. In the farmlands of Guatemala, Convoy of Hope equips vulnerable farmers and their families with the skills, tools, and seeds to produce life-sustaining crops and more efficient return, not just for themselves, but to give back to others in need. More information on this initiative will be coming soon, but we can't wait to start planting seeds of lasting change in Guatemala.
One of our key strategies to accomplish our mission is to launch new campuses in communities that need a church like TLCC. As we continue on the path toward Vision 2025, we have entered a process of researching and evaluating new locations to launch a new campus in fall 2022. Hi there, my name is Ben Stapley, and I recently came on staff at TLCC as the executive pastor. I've served on staff at two multi-site churches before, one with nine campuses and another with 17. And I'm excited to bring my experience and expertise with the multi-site model to TLCC. Currently, we have two incredible campuses, our West Orange campus and our online campus. But we believe God has bigger desires for TLCC. We believe he wants us to launch another campus in 2022. Now, there are five things we are looking for as we prepare to launch. Passion, place, pastor, people, and provisions. First of all, passion. Churches that don't have a passion for growth and expansion are not going to succeed at launching additional campuses. But TLCC clearly has this type of passion. Place. Before the pandemic hit, TLCC had a campus in Paramus at the AMC Theater. After the pandemic hit, we had to close it down for a number of factors. And now we don't feel relaunching this location is the wisest. So we know where we're not launching and we're assessing where we are launching. Pastor, it will take a strong leader to pastor this campus. We are still starting the process of identifying what we need from that leader and then we'll start to look for them. If you have any suggestions, send them my way. People, it takes a strong and substantial group of people to not only launch, but grow a campus. So over this year, there will be opportunities for you to join the team that is launching and growing our next campus. Provisions. We are confident that the provisions for this new campus will come in because God's purpose never lacks his provisions. And God has given TLCC a purpose, a destiny to reach more people for his glory. You'll be hearing a lot more about our campus expansion plan over the next year. But until then, I encourage you to prayerfully consider how you can partner with this new campus by financially providing or being a part of the launch team, or better yet, both. I'm looking forward to this journey we are on over the next year, and I'm thrilled to spread God's love and ever-widening circles with you as we expand campuses. This Christmas season, we ask that you join us in prayer as we ask God how much to contribute toward the mission He's given this church and for the world. We're reminded that God so loved the world that He gave us Jesus. Let's join Jesus by giving to the work that He started. So, let me say a few more things. I recently saw a movie um, called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Perhaps you've seen it. It's about uh, Jean-Dominique Balby, who was the French editor of Elle magazine and a very respected journalist who at the age of 43 had a massive stroke and lost use of, of his body entirely except he maintained the ability to be able to blink one eye. And it took some time for uh, the doctors to diagnose exactly what the problem was and also to learn that he could communicate by blinking one eye. And the, 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 the diagnosis is called locked-in syndrome. 
locked-in syndrome. So this man, for uh, quite some time, uh, several years, uh, was ba- bed uh, uh, bedfast and uh, uh, unable to function, except he had vision through one eye. And he, uh, they learned to communicate by blinking the eye and uh, through a very arduous process ended up writing a memoir on which the uh, this movie is based on. But I, I'm moved by the idea that he had vision, but he couldn't fulfill the vision because he had locked-in syndrome. And I couldn't help but think about how Jesus must feel being reduced to his body his flesh and blood on the earth, knowing how much he wants to do and having the vision that he has, but having decided that he will only do what he does through us. And I want to make sure that Jesus doesn't have locked-in syndrome. Dorothy Sayers uh, said that, uh, that, that God has experienced three humiliations. The first humiliation is the humiliation of the incarnation, where the Almighty God uh, manifests himself in the body of a human being in order to carry out his purposes on this planet and intentionally decided to only do the things that the Father told him to do and to be limited to what he could do in a particular space and time. The second humiliation, the crucifixion. He allowed himself to be nailed on a cross. And the third humiliation, Dorothy Sayers said, is the fact that he now has decided to live on this planet in his body. All of us. And he determined, um, obviously this is how God decided things should be done, that he would only be able to do on this planet what can be done through us. And I, 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 I wonder if we can carry out his vision in a way where he doesn't feel locked in and humiliated. A few months ago, as I've mentioned before, I was in Amsterdam for 10 days, and during my time I visited the Rijksmuseum and it's shown up now in, in several sermon illustrations, but I was struck by a number of things. Uh, probably the most moving thing I saw was a very famous painting called The Seven Works of Mercy, painted by the master of Alkmaar. No one knows exactly who he was. Commissioned in 1506. Quite a history behind the painting, but here's the picture that I snapped with my iPhone of this painting, which has seven scenes showing the seven acts of mercy. And if you look at the scenes closer, you'll see that each of these scenes represents something that... uh, where people were serving in some way and doing the works of Jesus and carrying out his vision in a way where Jesus was present. And if you look at each scene individually, you'll see that you have a group of people carrying out some act of mercy. In this case, uh, they're feeding the hungry. And if you look, you'll notice there is a depiction of Jesus, the, the third person over. Do you see that? 
Do you see that? Jesus is present as these people are feeding the hungry. Jesus is standing there watching him. And you look then at the next season, and you, at the next scene, and uh, they're giving water to the thirsty. And they don't realize it, but they're in the background. Can you see him? Jesus is there, and he's watching. He's, he's watching his vision. To give water to the thirsty come to life. And it goes on. You see that as they, as they give clothes to the hungry, they're in the background all the way over to your right. You'll see Jesus is watching. They're not aware. But it, it, Jesus is watching his vision come true through these, these people. And as they bury the dead, which is considered one of the acts of mercy, there's Jesus watching them fulfill this duty to care for the dead. And as they welcome the stranger, there's Jesus. It's almost fun to try to find him in the picture, but there he is, I guess, the third person from the right watching. They don't know he is, but he is. He's present in their acts of mercy. And as they care for the sick, there he is. Do you see him? Do you see Jesus, second person from the left, There he is watching as they care for the sick. And finally, Jesus is there as they visit the prisoner. There he is over there in the upper right-hand corner. They're caring, they're visiting the prisoners, and they don't know it, but Jesus is watching. The vision of Jesus is taking place through each of these acts of mercy. I got to thinking about what we do here at the Life Christian Church. And I got to thinking about how so many of you have gotten involved in similar acts of mercy. People who, at the end of time, will be put on the right hand of Jesus, called his sheep. And how do we know they're his sheep? How do we know we're his sheep? Because we're carrying out his vision to care for the stranger and feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty. And I just kind of imagine, you know, when you look at at some of our plus life teams feeding the hungry, this in this scene, feeding the hungry in Newark. I just want to imagine somewhere in this picture, I wish we could have the master of Akmar paint a picture of Jesus because I'll guarantee you that as this hungry man was being cared for by some of the members of our church that Jesus was watching, his vision was being carried out. He wasn't locked in, he was being released to see his vision fulfilled, and on it goes. As Thanksgiving baskets were distributed, it wasn't just a bunch of people downstairs putting together these beautiful meals for needy families at Christmas, but Jesus was in the room, and and he was watching. As we gave built a well in Ghana, just one of many, 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 many things that this church has done in partnership with Adopt One Village. I just, I've got to believe that Jesus was there, in this case, rejoicing as people who had not had access to clean water, had access to clean water because people like you gave, and people like you went, and people like you serve. 
We sponsor a child development center in El Salvador. There's not enough time to even begin to talk about all the things that are happening in Plus Life Local and Plus Life Global. But one of the things we did a number of years ago is we raised a really uh, uh, large offering and sponsored nearly 200 children to have a child development center in El Salvador in partnership with Compassion International. But as we serve those children, Jesus is watching. And they're sharing with the two children that the two of us sponsor. I love to think about sitting in the house with that family, the house, the one room shack with the tin roof and a dirt floor when we sat there and shared a meal with that family a couple of years ago that Jesus was watching. As we care for, you know, one of our many partners with Plus Life Local, in this case, uh, the senior citizens just, just not far from here at Canterbury Village, Jesus is in the room. As we partner with the Newark YMCA, as we've done for, I don't know, many, many years to the point where the National YMCA has given us uh, an award for our uh, unusual service to the Y. We're not partnering with the Y so we can play basketball, although some folks have done that, and that's good, and I'm for that, and that's definitely God's will. But um, we have, have adopted their 260-bed homeless facility, years and years and years of investing of sowing, of caring for families, of serving children, of mentoring, of giving, of Christmas parties, and on and on and on. And as we launch a campus, you know, I think this was the first baptism in the Paramus campus here a couple of years ago. As we, as we re-envision what that campus is going to look like as we relaunch it, um, we have to imagine a scene like this happening hundreds and thousands of times in the future as we see Vision 2025 come to pass. But here's the point. I think you get the point. As we're doing the works of Jesus, as we're feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty and giving clothes to people who need clothing and as we're welcoming the stranger and as we're visiting the prisoner which is something that we actually need to invest in more Jesus is watching and as we do our work Jesus is set free through his body to perform acts of mercy in this world Jesus is watching. So, once a year, we receive what we always hope will be a very significant offering to fund all of the kinds of things we're talking about. Again, I want to clarify. We talk, we make a separation between what we do here and what we do from here. What we do here minister to children in Kport and have a great red line uh, ministry. 50 kids registered for a lock-in this past Friday night. Thankfully, I left the building before uh, the lock-in started. But nonetheless, as you know, we provide great worship experiences and life groups and opportunities to serve and uh, tremendous facilities, which of course costs something significant. As we do all of these things here, our regular tithes and offerings, fund the ongoing ministry operations of the church. As people are faithful in tithes, well, we're able to expand what we do here in meaningful ways. And then we talk about what we do from here. And, 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 and the, the financing that supports what we do from here is our missions budget. And several years 
ago, we decided that we were going to try through one offering a year to raise our entire mission offering. And the fact is, the amount of the offering determines to some extent the degree to which we're able to spread God's love in ever-widening circles. And beginning today, we're going to talk about this uh, a little bit uh, uh, every week, not anything to this degree, during the month of December. And we're going to do this uh, methodologically differently than we've ever done it before. And that is that we are going to give people an opportunity to either give uh, what we hope will be a significant sacrificial offering by the end of the year or to make a pledge to give bet- sometime between now and Easter. And that's a new wrinkle to this because frankly, our need has grown and we're hoping that by extending the amount of time that some of us are able to give that our offering will be able to be more significant. So we're giving people an opportunity to give, we're giving people an opportunity to pledge to give, and we're praying for an offering that frankly, by just normal human calculations, is out of our reach. A $500,000 offering, and why are we doing that? Are we doing that so we can do something nice for ourselves here? No, we're doing that so we can spread God's love in ever-widening circles. And I can get excited about receiving, asking for, and receiving an offering like that. So um, our emphasis this year... Uh, is uh, it's around several things. Uh, again, time is limited, so I'll just mention a couple of things that, that we're really thinking a lot about. We really want to focus this year primarily, as it concerns Plus Life Local and Plus Life Global, on doing what we've always done, but doing it more and better. The reality is that COVID has set back some of our programs some. Let's say, for instance, there was a long period of time that we weren't able to show up at the YMCA and do the kinds of things that we've done for so many years. We weren't able to send missions teams in Plus Life Global as we typically do. We try to send a a team at least once a year to, to each of our partnerships to find ways to serve, to build relationships, to do it in a sustainable way. We are, our goal is never just to send money somewhere. Our goal is to have a holistic relationship with a leader and organization that we can have a long-term partnership with to do something that's sustainable, that, that, that we know brings results, that we're able to actually see and measure over time. We want to focus on doing this more and better this coming year, going deeper, getting stronger, creating more opportunities to serve. And key to this for us is having the opportunity to bring a full-time plus life Life missions director onto our staff team at the Life Christian Church. Here to four, and I don't want to get into too much sausage making, but I think it's important that you have some sense of some of what we're thinking about. Here to four, we've been blessed with outstanding part-time plus life missions directors. People very successful in their career away from TLCC, 
and who brought those gifts maybe 10 to 20 hours a week to help build and grow our Plus Life Missions program. Olivia Batanzas is an example of a very effective part-time Plus Life Missions leader. Most recently, Bonnie Park, who's a, who's a very successful attorney, but yet had a calling to this and was, was able to spend 10 to 15 hours a week on this. Very successful for what she did. Well, we need someone spending the bulk of their time in helping to grow this part of our ministry. We frankly don't have the funding right now to do this, but we're hoping to be able to add to our regular funds just enough to bring somebody in full-time to, to, to build this out this year. Uh, secondly, we're focused on uh, really getting the launch of a new campus right. And we've learned a lot. We've had some successes and COVID dealt us a pretty significant setback. But we're, 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 we're going to work very carefully on what it will look like to be successful at launching a new campus. And there's a lot of exciting discussion around this, study around this. But without a doubt, the most important thing for us to do is to bring a, a campus pastor on our team as quickly as possible to give him or her a long runway to a successful launch next fall. And so this is something else that we really, it's a stretch goal for us, but it's something that to do it right, everything revolves around leadership, right? If you have a good leader, the, the likelihood that you're going to have success in an endeavor is greatly increased. We've learned that with, uh, with Amanda and Christian's leadership on our online campus. We've learned that with Haven Burton's leadership around All In for the Arts. You know, the first thing is, you know, have a vision, get a leader to execute the vision, and we need to do that around our campus launch. And then the last thing I'll mention is we are going to take on, uh, uh, one uh, significant new project this year because we always want to stretch ourselves, expand ourselves. And um, in our partnership with Convoy of Hope, we are getting involved in their agricultural program where they, and uh, you're going to hear about this next week because someone from Convoy of Hope is going to be here and, and he's a wonderful speaker and he's going to talk about this in more detail. But in brief, they have an incredible program around solving the issue of hunger in significant regions of the world that has to do with agriculture. And um, we are going to take on the problem of hunger in a region in Guatemala, which is one of the first places that Convoy of Hope is at right now. And we are going to get engaged in a very significant way. We hope to invest by God's grace, and depending on how this offering comes in, we hope to invest uh, $25,000 this year in this program to, to eradicate hunger generationally in a region of Guatemala to be on the forefront of what Convoy of Hope is doing. And by the way, Convoy of Hope uh, is listed by Forbes magazine as one of the top 100 uh, 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 charities in the world, particularly in terms of their integrity and how they use their funds and the results they're producing. And we're very proud to be really engaged with them. We got engaged with them a number of years ago around disaster relief. Then they showed up big time during COVID, bringing semi-truckloads of food for us to distribute. And now we're dip deepening our relationship with a partner that we trust. And... Um, we're very excited about that. All right, so 
I mentioned a minute ago how Jesus is there as we're performing these acts of mercy. I want to say one other place where Jesus is at. I don't think I've ever said this before. Jesus is also there as we give an offering. There's this, there's this fascinating passage in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. You've, you've heard it. It's where we're told that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Just fascinating. Think about this. These people are coming and they're giving their offering and Jesus is watching. And it's out of that that this well-known story comes to play. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. In fact, less than a penny in today's money. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, these people are all giving and Jesus is watching, and then he calls his disciples to give them a lesson while the offering's being received. And he says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So, Jesus was watching as people brought their gifts, and he was making a judgment as to whether or not their gift represented generosity for them. And for the widow, less than a penny was generosity. For others, we're not sure exactly what Jesus thought, except he said they gave out of their wealth. They gave out of what they had. It wasn't a sacrifice for them. And Jesus considered less than a penny from that widow to be more valuable than a whole lot just coming out of someone's wealth. I'm going to encourage you today and this month to think about what you want Jesus to say when you fill out a pledge card. When you pray about what to give when you have a discussion, if applicable, with your spouse, when you think about what it looks like to step up in a significant way and not just do something that might be relatively easy for you, but to do something that truly represents sacrifice and generosity for you. Because, guys, Jesus is watching. And as we give and as we serve, we carry out his vision in this world. And, you know, it all turns out pretty well for those of us who do that because we sit on his right, we're called his sheep. And how do we know we're his sheep? Because, well, we did the things to the people who needed it that he wanted to be done.